podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, Kitro here. As you might have heard already on the podcast, we're going to be releasing one classic episode of TSFP Presents per week here on the Monday podcast feed. The full archive of around 100 episodes plus a brand new series that we're calling Rincón Cultural will still be available exclusively for patrons over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We're going to start with our Super Seasons series from 2019. We started by discussing Sid's favourite season ever, 1996-1997. Enjoy. Hello patrons, welcome to TSFP Presents. We've got a new series here. This is the first episode of Super Seasons. Yes. Good name. Exciting. I think we are running out of creativity when it comes to the names, but there we go. Super Seasons, uh, a new series where we look in depth at a specific season, the uh, history, what was going on at the time, memorable matches, memorable goals, headlines. We're going to go in depth on the first ever year which Sid Lowe lived in Spain, 1996-1997. Spain didn't know what was about to hit it yes. I, in I now feel incredibly old, but also very, very, very nostalgic. Of course. I mean, I was 12... <laughs> Yeah, same here. Don't so, say that, you bastards. So I can't contribute with as much authenticity uh, to what was going on as you can. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's start off by giving a little bit of uh, background of what was going on uh, in Spain at the time. Because you you arrived you arrived in 1996, right? I arrived in, in at the start of October 1996. In uh, arrived in Bilbao, got on a bus on my Just way. Just imagine a young. Idealistic Sid Lowe, full of hopes and dreams, yeah. a rucksack on his Before back. Before I had been crushed by the world. Yes. Anyway, I'm on, I get, arrive in Bilbao, I get on a plane to Bilbao, I fly to Bilbao in the days when there weren't direct flights to, well, there weren't many direct flights to Asturias, there were actually some. I get a bus from Bilbao to Oviedo. And on the bus, on the way to Oviedo with my mate Chris, we're listening to the radio, and obviously our Spanish is not great at this stage, but we can make out, and we realise Oviedo were playing Barcelona. I feel, I don't believe it. We turn up in Barcelona, in Oviedo, and they've all we've already missed Barcelona. You know, because you football fans, you you know that Barcelona are a big club. We've already missed Barcelona. I don't believe it. What a pity! Uh, and that was the day, by the way, that Juan Melillo met Pep Guardiola for the first time. At the end of the day, Guardiola knocked on the Oviedo door and went in and said to Leo, "I really like the way your team plays football." Mm. And of course, that was. The beginning of... And it was a game, by the way, that Oviedo lost 4-2 at the year. A brace yeah. from Stoichkov yeah. and a brace from Luis Enrique as well. Yeah. And you know what was also bad about this? This was the start of October. It turned out there had been three home games at Real Oviedo by then. That was the third home game. I think that was week four of the season. Maybe they'd already played or two or three, I think, at home. Anyway, we'd already missed Real Madrid and Athletic as well. Oh, no. Yeah, it's pretty unlucky. So why I said sod buying a season ticket. So I didn't bother buying a season ticket. And ended up buying tickets for every game. Um... How, how different was Spain in 1996 to it is now? Because Spain has, for a while, for me... All right, how can I put this without offending people? It feels, in some aspects, a little bit backwards. A little bit sort of behind the UK in certain aspects. So in 1996, coming from the UK, it must have been a big shock. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know, really. Because it was still just a place where... I mean, bear in mind... Mobile phones and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so, so you, you, 
in a way it was different and I think in a way it was probably easier to integrate because you just turn up in a city and yeah. you're in that city now. Yeah. Forget hope, phoning home, forget speaking to mates on, on WhatsApp and stuff and you're just kind of in the city. And I found Oviedo really, I mean it's a small enough place that you can, you get to know people really, really quickly. One of the things that of course you do is if you go out in a small group of English people to use a Spanish phrase, llamas la atención, you know, people notice you and in a city like Oviedo, people notice a small group of English people, they go over and talk to you and they want to know and they want to know which football team you support and they want to know what you're doing here and, and so in that sense it was it was actually really quite easy to, to, mm. to engage with and Spain did feel like a different place to England, mm. you know, the eating habits the, the going out the, the, the kind of way people responded to things, the, yeah it was it was very different except for the telly where I basically watched The Simpsons and The A-Team all the time. That was Which it. is where all of Sid's references yes. come yeah, exactly. from to but this it's also, day. It's, it's also a great way to learn the language, of course. If you watch a TV show that you're familiar with and you know the characters and even if you don't get all the language you understand the context it makes it much much easier to pick up the language uh, you mentioned england and spain you arrived here a couple of months after england had beaten spain in euro 96 i was at that game were you yeah oh. so a rare penalty shootout win for england well in fact that was england in fair we slightly robbed spain as well yeah it was england's only ever penalty shootout win until last year 2018 when they won one yeah. um, and what a shootout it was david seaman the hero of course saving from nadal after Yero had hit the bar and Stuart Pearce, Stuart of course, Pierce's scoring the penalty where he goes absolutely bonkers because he'd missed the penalty in, in I mean, the World Cup. Phil, you talk about us being being 12 years old. Like For me, being that age, that summer, 96, watching Euro 96, that like that was the greatest Euro 96 sporting absolute, summer absolutely fantastic. ever. Yeah. ever. Mm. No, no, I do remember that penalty shootout pretty vividly. Um, uh, the season itself 1996-97 season started on the 31st of June uh, 31st of August rather mm. and it went up until the 23rd of June can yes. you imagine imagine you know we're, we're, we're sitting here in mid-May the league season is over imagine if there was another month to go see it well, you wouldn't survive I loved it because obviously I wasn't working on it I just yes. loved the fact there was football on it admittedly the last um what would it be the last six weeks of the season I spent in a wheelchair, but I mean, because I broke my leg playing football in, right. in, in Oviedo. But but yeah, it was fantastically exciting. It, presumably, it went on that long because there were 22 teams yes. in uh, in La Liga for the second and final year of that particular experiment. Um, it didn't didn't. Yeah, basically, what happened for those who don't know, I mean, to, to cut a very long story short, Sevilla and Celta had been relegated from the league um, because of financial problems. They then both appealed and were reinstated into the league. You know, there were fan marches and so on, and they were reinstated in the league. And the league decided that they couldn't relegate the two teams that they put up in their place. I must confess, I can't remember which two they are, and so they had a twenty-two team league, which, mm, is why which lasted so for for two seasons, <laughs> and then they had to cut it down. So yeah, the the consequence was, as you say, firstly, a really long season. And, and four teams went down that year. Four teams plus there was a relegation yes. playoff. So it was yes. four teams plus potentially one. Yeah. Uh, the 22 teams then in La Liga in 1996-1997 were Real Madrid, Atletico, Rio, Barcelona, Espanyol, Betis, Sevilla, Deport, Celta, Compostela, who don't exist anymore, Sporting, Oviedo, Racing, Athletic, Real Sociedad, CD Logroñez, who don't exist anymore, Valladolid, Zaragoza, Valencia, Hercules, CF Extremadura, who don't exist anymore, and Tenerife. I think one thing you notice listening to that list is how northern Spain mm. in those days was much more represented than it is now. You think about it, three Galician teams in the top flight, two Asturian teams yeah. in the top flight, Racing, 
Logroñez. Now the sort of the map of Spain, if you look at the map of the Primera now, it's shifted a bit more towards yeah. towards the south. But back then, the north was was very much uh, on top. Yeah, I think that's true. Although, admittedly, obviously, you've got more Basque teams now than you had at, at that mm. point. Um, because, obviously, Alaves weren't there then and, and, and Abar and weren't, weren't there then as well. They, also, you look at, you look at that, that kind of spread of teams and, and, and there was a sense, I think, of this was possibly, maybe not quite the beginning, but this was when you're starting to get that sense that there are teams that are buying real superstars, that this is getting bigger. Than the, you know, Madrid and Barcelona have always been bigger than everyone else. But this, I, I remember being there at the time and then them starting to use this phrase, La Liga de las Estrellas, the League of the Stars. And it kind of felt like this was a step in that direction, that this was the beginning of it. It might be that I exaggerated that feeling because it was my first season, but there seemed to be a sense that this is, this is bigger than it's been before. Uh, speaking of uh, those uh, transfers, it's worth mentioning some of these, uh, some of these signings. Real Madrid... Signed Bodo Ilgner, Roberto Carlos, Seydorf, Miatovic, Suka, uh, Barca, uh, Vito Bahia. Who was the most expensive goalkeeper ever <laughs> at that point. Uh, Laurent Blanc, Luis Enrique, Stoichkov returning and Ronaldo. And I mean, you mentioned those Madrid signings and that was them sort of picking off, for example, Miatovic and Suka. That's yeah. picking off two of the best players from other teams. Yeah. And also, I mean, Barcelona, of course, the, the context to Barcelona doing this is this is the post-Cruyff season. Mm. This is the beginning of a new era, in which case you, you've got to spend the money to try and to try and overcome that. Robson comes in. Um, the idea being that, that that he is a bridge to to Van Gaal, who will who will eventually come in. That that actually gets gets accelerated. Um, Robson is in a position where basically from the very start he can't win, even when he wins, in part because he's not Cruyff. Yeah, tell us a bit about Robson because obviously he'd been a, he'd been in Portugal before he came to Barca. He'd spent two years at Porto mm. and done pretty well. This was, as you say, his only year. As coach of, of Barca, how was he viewed? Well, he was viewed, I mean, he was viewed, first of all, as I say, the, the context is that Cruyff is gone. The context is that there's a very significant kind of internal battle at Barcelona, which divides the club, as I suppose it sort of does even now. There's still kind of a, a Cruyffist, non-Cruyffist kind of confrontation of, of sorts. He was seen, I think, as well as, as a guy who maybe could have been Barcelona's manager before and perhaps now was, was that little bit older, perhaps that little bit less less equipped to, to be the coach. The start of the season, I remember very, very clearly having a sense and, and you know, and I remember writing letters to friends. I mean, back then people wrote letters saying, this team is unreal. I've never seen football like this. Because in those first few weeks, I remember them beating Logognes 8-0 and scoring just ludicrous amounts of goals and, and being loads of players bombing forward. But it was perhaps a little bit more direct, a little less choral than it had been with, with Cruyff. And there was this sort of sense that, well, Robson's got great players, hasn't he? Of course you know, of course they win. And I think it took a very, very long time for people to, to kind of accept Robson. Doesn't that sound like the ideal mix, though? Well, I I, I think so. Yeah. Admittedly, it is also true that, that so much of this turned um, on, on one man. And we've said this a lot about Messi. But in terms of the impact that I've seen from a single player, and again, this is about me, it's about the fact that it was my first season in Spain, it's about the fact that, truth be told, I didn't know of him. When you turn up in Spain and you see that Ronaldo do what that Ronaldo did that year, I mean, he was just off the scale. 
Uh, he absolutely smashed the league to bits that season. Uh, Ronaldo, and that's the phrase as well because he was he was wonderfully talented, but he was incredibly powerful as mm. well. And he was quick and he was direct. And now I remember Robson's asking, being asked about Romario because of course Romario had left Barcelona this season. He's in Valencia, although he only he's, lasts, he's sort of there and he goes. Well, and he, he only comes la- back. He again only and... lasts a little while. They send him back to Brazil and then he comes back again. And there's a, there's a game. I think actually it's against Barcelona where in the build up to the game he he oversleeps and misses training. He says, "Sorry, my alarm clock didn't go off." Which is probably true, in fairness. Um, and I remember Robson saying Ronaldo has all of the all of the touch and technique of Romario, which is perhaps not entirely true, but not a million miles off. He said, but he's bigger, he's stronger, and Romario could do it over seven meters. Ronaldo could do it over seventy. And 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 that was when, of course, Valdano came up with this famous phrase that when Ronaldo attacks, it's like the whole herd attacks. It's a stampede. Uh, you turned up at the start of October, right? Mm. So you would have been just in time to see that. Goal scored yeah. against Compostela, yeah. which was on the 12th of October 1996. Yeah, I remember it really, really clearly as yeah. well. I mean, I remember just the, the, the sense that, what was that? The sense that, 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 that this isn't normal because there was this, there's a moment, I mean, a lot of you will have seen this goal, and if you haven't, go and watch it. Go and see Ronaldo against Compostela. And if you can, watch the longest, longest possible clip on YouTube because, as so often with great goals, it's as much about the reaction as anything else. And Ronaldo starts his run, and he stops the ball, and he turns, and he starts to go. And there's a point at which he's being held, and he just kind of keeps running. And it, it, it's like that famous clip of Jonah Lomu, rugby player, being held onto, I think, by both the Underwoods, if I remember rightly, against England. Yes. And they're, they're, he's basically dragging them along. It's like there's this, there's this giant being being held onto by two normal people, and Ronaldo just kind of kind of keeps going there's a moment when the shirt pulls and it, it, it slips out the guy's hand because Ronaldo pulling away is stronger than the guy holding onto his shirt and so there's this combination of power and incredible talent as well and it's just brilliant and then as I say the camera pans to the bench and Robson's got his hands on his head as if to say bloody hell did you see that and there's a there's, I think it's Santi Jimenez writing in ass later claimed that Rob Robson actually did was turn to the bench and say, see, I told you, as if, as if somehow he was taking credit for this, when I think what he was probably saying was, told you this guy was good. Sid, you brought with you to this podcast recording a VHS video yeah. tape <laughs> that has Ronaldo on the cover. What is that? It is called The Best of Ronaldo, and it was a video, and I always had enormous regrets about this. It was a video that Ass brought out, and back then that video, Ass used to bring out a few videos, quite a lot of videos, and it's basically a tape of his best goals. But my big regret was this was that this came out just before the end of the season. And the goal that I remember loving the most of Ronaldo, there's two actually, was one I saw in hospital. So this was May, so it's about three weeks from the end of the season, where he's on the floor and the ball bounces near him when he's on the floor. And there's a defender next to him. And he kind of sitting on the floor, as if he's doing those kick-ups, you know, that players sometimes do when they're sitting on the floor yeah. doing kick-ups. And he suddenly flicks the ball with his foot as it comes past him. And he's up and gone before the guy next to him has even realised that Ronaldo was sitting there. Boom. And I think it's against Depor. And he scores. The other one I really love is the, is the one where he goes through, goes through two defenders against Valencia. He scores a oh, yes. against Valencia. And he scores two goals where he goes through the middle of defenders. And it's like tube doors closing on him. And he's like, boom, out the way. <laughs> it's just extraordinary. That video is what, something else. Um, Obviously, we've mentioned uh, Ronaldo. He was the uh, the top goal scorer. You mentioned Brian, uh, Brian, Bobby Robson was the manager at Barca. Other coaches uh, to mention uh, in the league: uh, Capello joined Real Madrid mm. after five years and at Milan with a huge reputation. Because, as you say, what he'd done at 
uh, Milan, well, and including that it, legendary '94 year. That's it. Cup. I mean, and this sort of is is a is a routine that we see often, isn't it? He'd beaten Barcelona, and so Real Madrid go. Thanks very much, and you come. Uh, Antic was the coach of uh, Atletico Madrid, who well, had just, just won, won the double. double. Yeah, exactly. uh, he had Serra Ferreira Betis. Who is still at the club <laughs> as sort of sporting director yeah. type. Takes them to the Copa del Rey final. Um, I always had a feeling that season, and this again, this might all of this might be about me, you know, and my, my own kind of interpretations, which other people might remember differently. But I always had a feeling that, that season with Atletico was all about the Champions League. This team had won the double, so it's about the Champions League. And they got knocked out in, in the, the quarterfinals by Ajax. And, and, and they had a great forward line, Kiko, Caminero, and the other one would have been... Had Penev gone by then? Kiko, Caminero sure. and one other. I can't think who the other one is, but they were brilliant up front. He had Jupp Henkes at Tenerife. Yep. Uh, Tenerife had a good season. They did have a good season. They finished seventh for eighth, I think. Well, and talking about um, Europe in the UEFA Cup, they got to the semi-finals. They were beaten yep. by Schalke. In the here's, here's one for you. I mean, this happens a lot in our podcasts. I'm sitting here drinking a can of Coke. Right. I have, from that season, Coke did this thing where they... Um, this sounds like a massive big advert, but sod it. Here we go. Where they did Coke cans with the team badges on it of every team in the first division. And obviously you've got every single one. Absolutely. Yes. And they created this stand for it. This is very much a forerunner to my dad's mug collection. The stand for it where you put the teams in league order. I've still got that at home. 22 Spanish Coke cans with all of the teams in it in league order. Here's a, um, here's a bit of fun, by the way. I've got a photo of it somewhere. I'm going to find it for you. It's at home well, in, in more, London. In more fun than more that. Fun, little quiz for you guys and listeners. You can play along at home uh, without looking at any of the props that you brought with yeah, you. I've got quite so a lot keep, keep, keep this, eye contact. This look at cup me. final one is amazing. Don't look it? at anything. Okay, I'm not looking at anything. Can you remember? I've got some of the shirt sponsors here. Oh, I like it. First, first answer wins. Again, play along at home. Can you remember who were the Real Madrid shirt sponsors in 96-97? Teca. Yes, correct. I, I don't, I, it was a tie. <laughs> it was a tie. Can you, what about Valencia? I think they were a car company. It's a car company. I think it might be Sayap, but I'm not sure. It's an American car company. Chevrolet? Ford. Ford. Yes, ah, Kitro gets well there. Yeah. And what about Atletico Madrid? Was it a film? It was, it's no, quite, they were Marbella, weren't they? This season, or was it this was a season a, um, after Marbella. You won't get it, but it's hilarious. It's as funny as a film. Uh, do you remember the Japanese toy manufacturer Bandai? Right. No. I um, okay, they were Atletico's shirt sponsors, but for a time, something I think Bandai made. Do you remember Tamagotchis? Yes. yes the, the little like sort of electronic Digital pet pets, that you had to look yeah. up. Atletico had Tamagotchi on their shirts. I, don't I swear, I looked it up. I've seen, I've seen proof. Wow, Tamagotchi. And obviously, Depot had Fedeco, which is the the local milk company. I bought my Depot shirt in a shop in Oviedo, the greatest shop of all time. I wish it was still there, called Hooligan. Oh, nice! And it sold all football kits and stuff. Uh, it finished with Real Madrid top of the table, of course. Well, uh, do you want two points? Do you want to track a little bit? I went through and picked out just so we can follow sort of how that title race went over the course of the season. Okay, you now know how it ends. Spoilers. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but it was very much Real Madrid and Barca battling out. As Sid said, Barca started the season on top. I think Barca were top of the table until match day 14. So up to then, Barca were on top. They were absolutely flying. Sid mentioned some of these massive scorelines. You know, they won 4-2 at Oviedo. They beat Logroñez 8-0. I think they got six against uh, Rio, is it? Oof. I mean, there were some huge, huge scores. Then they started to drop points and Madrid went top by one point on match day 14 when Barca lost to Athletic and Madrid beat Valencia. The first Clasico of the season was match day 16. Madrid won 2-0 at 
those men, Suka and Mijatovic, mm. got the goals. I remember the Clasco's being quite disappointing. Although that might have been the garlic soup that my landlady <laughs> made for us. Which, I, which is, is still a moment that traumatises a, a group of us watching the Clasco and she made garlic soup and it was the most grotesque thing of all time. <laughs> and we were spooning it into carrier bags and taking it down to the street to put in bins so she wouldn't notice. Because <laughs> we were like, oh, this is lovely. And I, honestly, you were spooning it into carrier bags. God, that would that would ruin your enjoyment it's of the classic. Absolutely appalling. By uh, midway through the season, so remember, there's 42 rounds of games. So the match day 21, and Madrid were three points clear of Barca. Shortly after that, by the way, match day 26, Sid, Real Madrid six, Oviedo one. I was at that, that game. Davos should get hat trick. Yeah, and a penalty. Uh, we were, we were, we, I can't, we, did we miss a penalty? Did they, I can't remember now. But I remember sitting very high up with what was then the Gallinero, which is now the east side of the stadium, the very top tier. The top tier was standing. And, uh, and a group of us from Oviedo went, went to that game and saw us concede six. The following weekend, match day 27, it became a nine-point gap. Barca lost 4-0 at Tenerife. 4-0 yeah. <laughs> away from home. A hat-trick from the former Fulham manager, uh, Jokanovic. Yes. What a hat trick that day. Mm. How about that? Anyway, then we arrive at the start of April. So that's 31 games played. This was the state of play. Madrid, 72 points. Barca, 63. Betis, 63. Depor, 60. Betis Depor, and Depor, who, by the way, had, had, had Rivaldo. Rivaldo was brilliant that year. And at that stage, the bottom five. So it's the start of April. The bottom five was Extremadura, Espanyol. Espanyol, by the way, playing this year their final season at Sarria. At Sarria before in they. In fact, left. they won the, obviously the last, last Catalan derby at Sarria. They won 2 0 against Barcelona. It, uh, then by match day 34, it became a 10-point gap. Barca lost 3-1 at Valladolid. Madrid beat Sevilla 4-2. The final Clasco of the season was match day 37. Barca won 1-0. Ronaldo yeah. scored. That made it down to a 5-point gap. It started to get closer and closer. Barca made it a 2-point gap by match day 39. And then blew it at Hercules, if I remember right. Yeah, they beat Depo- Barca beat Depor 1-0 and Madrid lost at San Mamés 1-0. So that brought it down to 2 points. Could they do it? No, they couldn't yeah. do it. Match day 40, Madrid beat Extremadura 5-0. Barca lost 2-1, you're correct, Sid. Without Ronaldo. And I remember, I remember the whole thing being about this idea that it's without Ronaldo. And that they weren't a one-man team, but they, yeah, he was so, he so He missed the last few games of the season. He missed season, the last few games of the season. And, and obviously then he had the whole rigmarole about his future and, and him departing. But, but he, I think he finished with 34 league goals, which is the best record anyone had since Hugo Sanchez. And mm. There was just this kind of sense that without him, it was inevitable that they would lose. And yeah, Madrid confirmed champions match day 41 the week before the last, the last round, which was match day 42, played on the 21st and the 22nd of June. Uh, so Real Madrid finished top with 92 points, Barcelona on 90, Depor 77, Betis 77 as well. Relegated, Extremadura, Sevilla. Extremely hard. Sevilla went down at Oviedo. Uh, Hercules, who obviously beat Barcelona in the penultimate uh, week match of the season, um, went down. And Logroñez. Uh, Raya went down after losing the playoff to Mallorca, which was kind of the start of the rise of uh, Mallorca. Indeed, something that we could maybe cover on a future um, super seasons. Here we go. Salamanca and Merida were also promoted. Mm. Yeah. Teams who teams don't who exist. Don't, don't really exist anymore. Well, I yeah. think Medellin does exist, but I don't know if it's the same incarnation. The, ga- the game of the season, by the way. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm going I'm to just read you the, the, the bare facts. And this was something that was everybody talked about for years. On the 12th of March, in the Copa del Rey quarterfinal, second leg, Barcelona 5, Atletico Madrid 4. 
Oof. Right? But the best thing about it is that Atletico were, I think was, I think it was 3-0 up at half-time. Oh, wow. <laughs> came back to win 5-4. And this, was, and this was in a season which I think they'd already had a 3-3 in the league. It was Barcelona and Atletico back then was a, this is the game. Mm. And it was, it was just extraordinary. Uh, tell us a bit about the Copa del Rey final, which is pr- primarily the reason why the um, sort of... Uh, the bathrooms are always being renovated yeah. at the uh, well, so, so at the I've actually got a copy of Marker here. 3-2, Barcelona win, win in extra time. A front page of Marker, which you suspect you probably wouldn't see anymore, is a picture of lots and lots of Barca flags, and it just says Barca with big exclamation marks. Hmm. It says only one could win. Figo and history defeated Betis. I remember Betis being absolutely brilliant. Anyway, at the end of the game, this is at the Santiago Bernabeu, and uh, Joan Gaspart claims that he went into the like the PA announcer's room and said, can you put the Barcelona hymn on? So they did as they were going around the pitch. He said they put it on four times. And they, there was quite a big thing made of the fact that they had kind of profaned the Cathedral of Real Madrid. Uh, how many times have we had the Copa del Rey at uh, Copa del Rey final at the Bernabeu since then? Including Barcelona. With Barcelona playing none. None. Um, We've had the Centenariazo. Centenariazo. Had Real Madrid losing at home to uh, what? Losing against Atletico. Severe against uh, Atletico, I think was there. Was it severe against Hitafe? I think was there. Oh yes, as it well. was. It was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not yeah, many, and certainly never when Barcelona. Never when Barcelona or Atletico Bilbao go. Yeah. Uh, this y- is this is Real Madrid becoming champions. By the way, this is fifteenth uh, of June. Marker on fifteenth of June. Asi Asi. This is how Madrid do it. Raúl in the in the derby as well. Beating, beating Atletico three one, and that was that was basically it. Yeah. Um, we've got another one here. Now for Europe, Lorenzo Sanz says. Uh, we've got another marker headline here. I mean, the city's got some fantastically well-preserved um, newspapers from this season. Uh, it is ahead of the Classico when it wasn't called the Classico. No, they were still calling it the Derby back then. It's true. And look at that. So you've got a picture of Raul, Ronaldo, Pep Guardiola and Miatovic says, what more can we say? Well, obviously inside they say quite a lot more. Um, yes. But, 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 but what more can they say? Now it's up to them. The, the fans of it, I quite like this actually. The fans have enjoyed the derby for a week. Now it's up to them. 36,000 million pesetas worth of players on the pitch. 50 million spectators around the world. Not actually true, of course. Uh, 22 internationals on the pitch. 190 million pesetas made, for the, made from the game. And 600 journalists, apparently. How about these for teams, right? This is a pretty good set of teams, although Secretario was quite shit. But Hierro Alcorta, <laughs> Roberto Carlos, Redondo, Raul, Seidorf, Victor, who is, of course, now manager at Malaga, Mijatovic and Suka. Raul played that season at left, left mid- midfield, by the way. For, for Barcelona, Giovanni, Ronaldo, Figo, Popescu, who everybody hated for some reason. I think it was because he was always seen as, as Robson's kind of pet. Amor, Guardiola, Sergi, Blanc, Nadal, Luis Enrique and Bayer. A lot of... Um, a lot of managers in that era. And by the way, you say Raul played left midfield. He scored 21 goals over the course of the, the season. He got 21. Rivaldo got 21 for, yeah. for Depor as well. Um, Davos Suka got 24 goals. Alfonso got 25. In his white boots. And go on down. And the star player, of course, was Oli at Real Oviedo, who I got mean, 16 and went to Betis. And became a Spain international as no, well. No, he scored more than six. Well, well, OK, I've got here Oli 20 goals, but maybe that's all competition. 16 in the league, I think, yeah. Oli scored an absolutely belting goal in the game that I enjoyed more than any other on a Saturday night in Oviedo. As you can imagine, the Saturday night went on quite a bit afterwards. Oviedo beat Atletico Madrid, the double-winning team, 4-1. Uh, what's this headline? What's this front page that you've got here of Marca? Well, bear in mind that I lived in Asturias, so this is the Asturias version of Marca. Pusha, it says, which is kind of Asturian for come on or brilliant, uh, sporting Sporting were winning 4-1 and ended up winning 4-3 against... Who were they playing? Hang on a minute. Who were they playing? Whoever they were playing, anyway. I don't care because what matters there is, of course, Oviedo beating Barcelona. Yes. 
And they finished uh, 17th of Viedo. So if you can do the math, that's just outside the relegation places. Everyone else below them got relegated. I went to the derby, Oviedo against... uh, I went to both derbies that year, actually. Oviedo away at Sporting. Now, this was quite an experience. When I told... I mean, genuinely, I'm not making this up. I told some friends in Oviedo, I'm going to go to the derby Mm. in in Gijón. And they said, uh, get yourself a workman's helmet. What? Get yourself a workman's helmet. Everyone wears workman's helmet. If you can get a blue one, then so much the better. Anyway, it turns out there was a reason for this. We went on a train. There was a special train for the Oviedo fans, and that train was deeply unpleasant. <laughs> we were packed in, and let's just say that when people needed a piss, well, it was piss in a beer glass and someone chuck it out the window because there was no other way of doing it. Only a 35-minute train. you think people could just wait. Anyway, we arrive at, at Gijón Station. On the way, as you can imagine, from Oviedo to Gijón, there are, it goes through some other stations. It doesn't stop at any of them, but it goes through some other stations. As you get closer to Gijón, you have sporting Gijón fans waiting at those stations on the platforms as the train comes past, chucking things at the train, chucking bottles and stuff at the train. Not particularly nice. You get to get to Gijón, and the police are waiting for you at the station, and they took us from the station to the ground. What they did was they boxed us in, mm. and they walked us along the beachfront to the Molinon, because Molinon's by the beach. And as we went, obviously sporting fans lined the route and shouted things at us and threw things at us, hence the... Wear a, wear a helmet. Was your Spanish good enough to understand what was being said? Some of it. I remember yeah. being offered a swap deal. Right. Uh, well, actually, no, that was us offering them a swap deal. Gijón por Gibraltar. You know, you can, you can, you can, you can keep, you can keep Gibraltar, but let's give you Gijón. And they were chatting things, you know, hijos de puta and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I'm sure the sentiment stuff. was clear. Yeah, the sentiment <laughs> was pretty clear. But, of course, the thing that was so bad about this wasn't really that they were throwing things, although that's quite bad. It's that the police decided that what they wanted to do was get us to the ground quickly. Right, so they box us in. They literally are a box of police, and we're in the middle of it. The police just start start jogging. So we've got a jog to keep up with the police. If you go a little bit too slow and it looks like you're going to fall out of the box, the sticks are coming out. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it wasn't very nice. Anyway, we get to the ground. The game was rubbish, nil nil. End of story. Then I went to the second one at Oviedo. Now, obviously, I imagine for the sporting fans, it was probably not particularly pleasant either. But of course, I experienced it differently because I was at home in that. And this, that was the last game of the season. That was, I think, the last or the penultimate game of the season. The yeah, one. it was right near the end. Anyway, I was in a wheelchair, so I was in the wheelchair section watching Oviedo against uh, Sporting. Again, I think it was nil nil. It was nil nil. It was nil nil. <laughs> both games nil nil. Both games terrible. But both teams did survive. And at that point, there was still half a chance. I think. I think Oviedo were were already safe, but I think there was still half a chance of Sporting going down. Mm. So you had quite an experience in your first two derbies, obviously yeah. having stuff thrown at you with a workman's hat on and going as a wheelchair user yeah, in the, the second, second one as well. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, relatively uh, unique experiences. Okay, well, um, I think we'll leave it there. We've quite yeah, not, I, I feel covered like I should, quite a lot I feel of stuff, like I but before up, we go... I think I feel like I should pick up this, this headline of mine, because this is one I've kept particularly proudly. I mean, not because of this bit. There's one of the side headings here <laughs> is... Um, Toshak go home, written in English. The Depple fans weren't very happy with him. Uh, look, Toshak will say goodbye on Sunday, and there's an agreement with Luis to go there. Valerie Carpin, what a player Valerie Carpin was. There's Clemente there, but here's a big headline. Robson saying, and it's after they'd knocked um, Real Madrid out of the cup. He says, now what? Robson says, now what? And the headline is, picture of Robson, thumbs up, probably doesn't understand. says, now he's a genius. Bobby Robson, genius. Mm. Lovely man. Met him in Gijón. Because um, obviously I got to Oviedo and they, they, they'd already played Barcelona. I wanted to see Ronaldo play. So I went to the game in Gijón, which is in October, on a Monday night. Sporting Gijón against, uh, against Barcelona. Went, got tickets, went to that game. And Ronaldo didn't play. The first game that he missed. It took me genuinely about six attempts to see Ronaldo play. I went to Milan to watch him play at Inter and he didn't play either. It took until he came to Real Madrid for me to see him play against Alaves in 2002. 
I guess, mm. 2001 maybe. Mm. Quite a nice quote on the back of this uh, book, The Story of Bobby Robson's brilliant Year book, at by Barcelona. By Jeff King, yeah, brilliant book. Uh, the quote says, I feel like Gary Cooper in High Noon. Sometimes I ask myself, why has everybody got it in for me? If I was coach of a team in England that was challenging for three trophies, I'd be a bloody hero. These guys don't understand a thing about football. And there it is in a nutshell. There we go. You feel like you know Gareth Bale could say something sort of similar. Probably not referencing Gary Cooper in High Noon, but you know whatever the up to date version is. Yeah. So that was 1996, 1997. Oh, those were the days. Yes. Yeah, they don't make him those like that anymore. Days. A lot of Oviedo, but uh, some uh, some other chat as well. Uh, we've uh, got a broad list of uh, seasons that we uh, want to talk about in uh, future episodes. But if there is a specific season that you think needs uh, a lot of focus, let us know, and uh, we might include it in in some subsequent episodes uh thanks for listening and we'll be back very soon adios cheerio bye Podcast Network.